Hey folks, this is Josh Schlossberg, host of Josh's Worst Nightmare Podcast. I am going to be doing another monologue where I don't have a guest. Sorry, this won't be a habit. But my new book, Charwood, my eco-Jewish folk horror novel from Agata Triad, an imprint of Madness Art Press, is out into the world August 21st. So you can buy it. You can buy it paperback, you can buy it ebook. It's available on the usual platforms as well as some other ones. You can order it through your local bookstore. It's on godless.com as well. All that great stuff. I thought I'd just do a short little podcast talking about my thoughts on the book being out in the world. Nothing fancy. I don't have notes. I don't have an agenda, although my unconscious mind is probably going to insert something into this. So, okay, Charwood. Yeah, it took me, I don't know, six months to write, maybe nine months total. I did several drafts. I did my first draft, as always, by writing by hand, and it was a piece of shit because my first drafts are supposed to be that way, and I encourage your first drafts to be pieces of shit. That's how I get it out. I have never had writer's block in my life because I just pump out garbage for my first draft, and it literally does not matter. The magic is in the editing and the refining. So then I did another draft, and I think maybe another draft, and then I brought that to my critique group in Denver Horror Collective, and they helped me hone it even more. And then I did a final draft, and then my editors at Madness Art Press, they did another round of edits, and then my final draft is out in the world. Let me tell you, I'm sick of Charwood. (laughs) I'm glad I'm done with it. I like the book. Don't get me wrong. I think it's a pretty darn good book. I think it's really representative of where my writing has been. And I think I did some stuff that no one has done before, while at the same time traveling well-trodden folk horror paths, because if you're going to do folk horror, you got to kind of play in that realm. So yeah, I think it's a good addition to what's out there. I read a lot of stuff. I'm pretty honest with my own capabilities. Of course, I have my own blonde spots. We all do. But yeah, I think if you like horror, you'll probably like Charwood. I think if you like folk horror, you'll like Charwood. If you like eco horror, you'll like Charwood. If you are interested in a different flavor of horror, so I sprinkled in some Jewish mysticism, not Jewish religion, But mysticism and folklore, a lot of people mix that up, which is really unfortunate, which is why it's so hard to get books like Charwood out into the world. People are like, oh, Jewish, that's religious. We don't publish religious. I literally had a large publisher say that to me that wouldn't even look at the first page of my book just because it had Jewish in it. That's another issue, and I've talked about that before, and I'm sure I will again. But Charwood. So, yeah, it's about a character who is named Orna and she wants to engage a bit more in the world. She's coming out of the pandemic. She has a lot of anxiety and she decides, all right, what's something bigger than myself? All right, climate change. What's going on with climate change? I'm living in Colorado. There's going to be something. Oh, okay. Something called a climate action bonfire is happening in the mountain town 
of Silver Cleft on Halloween. I'll go up to that. I'll meet some people. I'll get engaged. She goes up there, drives up this really steep mountain road, and she's in the middle of nowhere. She drives through this burned forest, and she's not seen one of those before, so it's kind of alarming to her. And she finally finds it, long story short, the bonfire. And people are both nice and people are also weird. And so I'm not going to retell the story from start here, but that's how it all starts. And she gets deeper into it and they say, hey, we burn trees, we burn forests for energy because this solves climate change. And immediately she's like, that seems kind of odd. Isn't trees, aren't trees good for climate change to leave growing because they absorb carbon, but they know better. They know stuff. And she gets involved. There's a little bit of blackmail. So something happens and then there's blackmail and she has to get even more involved. And she's like, all right, whatever. I'm just, this is weird. Uh, this, I have no other choice. And over time, she realizes that not only is burning forests not good for the climate, obviously, that's not even what these people are interested in. They're not environmentalists. There's something entirely different. And that's where it gets really dark and horror. I have a lot of the folk horror tropes of weird things happening in isolated areas with people who have strange habits and she's kind of that outsider. And yeah, it has this Jewish grounding as in, in the Kabbalah, which is this mystical text that isn't too familiar to most Jews. I had to do a fair amount of research, even though I was brought up Jewish. They don't talk about it much. And it talks about the tree of life and these different components that make up existence. And there are all sorts of things that go in. There are some dark forces that are based in Jewish folklore. So not the typical Christian folklore that you hear of, whether you think it or not, most of the horror that you read is actually Christian horror. It's based on that framework, whether it states so explicitly. So this, I just shifted on its axis a little bit, but yeah, everything it's not like Woody Allen didn't write this, right? It's not that kind of thing. And yeah, so it's about some of my experiences as an environmentalist, and I have been pointing out the errors of burning forests for energy, which you think would be obvious, but a lot of environmentalists, so-called environmentalists, have been advocating for it for a long time. We've since gotten them to change their minds, kind of, so that's really good, but I wanted to base it off of some real experiences like that, but even though the book is eco-horror and it does talk about how it's important to protect forests and why a lot of people are trying to destroy forests and they're doing it in the name of supposedly positive things. The book is not a preachy book. It's, it's a horror romp, right? I use that framework. Sure. There's a message conveyed there, but even if you don't care about that stuff, even if you don't even believe in that stuff, you can enjoy Charwood no question. I do think the important thing, and I've talked about this before with eco horror is if your thing is just a screed for your ideology, it's often going to fall flat. It's not going to be very interesting. Just simply that people can agree with it. That's not what Charwood is. It has the science in there. It has the environmentalism and all that stuff, but it is 
above all else, it's horror, it's folk horror. And that's what I wrote. And that's what I hope people enjoy. Some of the cool stuff I think is I play around in the forest a lot. Strangely, I haven't done a ton of writing that takes place in the forest, which is weird. You'd think I'm somebody who goes in the forest all the time. Every week I'm hiking a long hike, in the forest, like, you know, average of, I don't know, nine miles, sometimes longer, sometimes shorter. And that is where I come up with most of my stories. I'm immersed in that world. I think I've been just so in that world. I don't think of writing stories about it. That's changing. I'm writing a lot more that's taking place in the natural world. And Charwood, I feel like is a really good example of getting into the forest. So I take you into these settings, into the mood of the forest above all else, because to me, my favorite horror, yeah, it's got to have character. Yeah, it's got to have plot, sure, a theme, but it's about the mood. It's the atmosphere. And so I play around with both how forests can be, you walk around them, there's these beautiful meadows and the sun's out and it's la-di-da, it's just beautiful, it's pastoral, it's like Beethoven's Sixth Symphony, you know, nymphs gambling around. That's most of my time in the forest. But because I spent a lot of time in the forest, I've gotten lost in the forest, I've gotten hurt in the forest, thunderstorms and lightning right above my head, snakes and bears, freezing cold, white out snow where I can't even see inches in front of me. I'm not sure if I'll even get out of the forest and it's too cold and windy to light a fire, that sort of stuff. So the other side of it, the shadow side of it. And so I take you into both how just the snap of a finger, it can go from what a beautiful day to, oh crap, I am wet. The temperature is now like 37 degrees and I'm pretty far from the car. I did not prepare properly, things like that. So I play around in that world, which I have a lot of experience. So I hope that comes through. And I have a lot of the fun folk horror stuff and I'm not going to give a lot of it away, but little tchotchkes made of sticks hanging in the forest and they, they're represented in a certain way they're meant to signify something that becomes clear later on in the book. So I have all that cool stuff, bonfires in the forest, their costumes, really, really the, the fun stuff of folk horror because folk horror is probably my favorite genre. I loved folk horror before I even knew it had a title. I just knew that I loved these types of movies that again, usually take place somewhere isolated, far away, often natural component. Nature plays a lot of a role in it. There's an outsider. And then there is the in-group that is doing something a little bit off. And then there is some large ceremonial ritual event to culminate everything. So I have all the pieces there, the folk horror, but I do take it in a different direction. I dance around that realm a bit. And I think it's not just a folk horror novel, but it's definitely also a folk horror novel. With the writing, I tried to do my best to make it as simple as possible. So I try to write like speech a lot of time. And I don't always make sense when I talk, so maybe my writing doesn't always make sense. No, but that's the difference between writing and speaking. I'm a much better writer because I can go back. I can go back and I can actually 
be like, all right, this can be improved upon. This is not perfect here. This is a little bit weird. Once you say something is done and it's over, there's nothing more you can do about it. So speaking of that, I don't need to drink water when I'm writing because my throat doesn't get dry. So I simplify the language. I use phrases that are a lot more simple. So for instance, I wouldn't even say, oh, the complexity of the situation. I would say something like, things are very simple, right? Less syllables, just more basic speech language because it's folk horror. So that folk realm, I want it to feel more timeless. I want it to feel less sophisticated. Now, of course, it could be harder to write like that because the first sentences that come out sometimes are complicated words for whatever reason, and they're not the right words. So I hope that comes through to folks. Um, I'm not sure if people even necessarily notice that, but that's something that I've really worked on in my writing, particular with this. Some books I write, some short stories, I realize more complex phrases and words fit. Or I'm writing something right now that takes place in Grecian, ancient Greece with nymphs and pan. And the language there is very different as well. So anyway, that's part of Charwood. I have a secret weapon that I'm going to reveal. It's something called a scene sheet. And in it, you go through and it's, I'm not going to give all the details away, but if you want to know about it, I can give you more later. But there, it's a way of going through your scenes and making sure that there is tension in every scene or chapter. So basically it's, in short, the, the character expects something, that thing is not happening. And then there's tension around that and how they respond to that and then how that results at the end. So in every single chapter, I have tension. There's never just a situation where, oh, that happens and, oh, that's interesting. I'll turn to something later. I set up a lot of dominoes. So the dominoes don't start falling towards later, but each of, so the larger plot, with my slow burn way of writing, it doesn't all fall until later in terms of I'm, I'm setting up these dominoes, right? But still there's subplots. There is just internal tension between the characters, between where things are expected to go. And I hope that really keeps people there. And that's the key, I think, to writing the slow burn horror. Personally, I'm not as much a fan of the things that just get you right into the midst of the main plot right away. I like to build towards that, care about the characters for learn the world, because otherwise, why would you really have much investment in the characters if all of a sudden they're in this crazy situation? So I build towards that. I set up all these dominoes, all these dominoes, and then towards, I would say, halfway to the last third of the book, these dominoes start cascading. So you might not even necessarily realize that until, it, oh, that's why that was set up. And again, I don't pretend that everything I did was perfect in every way or anything like that, but I feel like that was pretty successful in this book. And yeah, the character, I really like the character. So there is always a risk with a man writing a woman character, but here's the thing. I have no people for a long time. I'm, I'm a real observer as an introvert. And I've also had a lot of experiences with humanity, men and women, 
in different capacities. And I've dated a lot of women and, you know, I have women, close friends, family, and I've studied psychology. I almost thought about joining a program to become a clinical psychologist, whatever. So I read all that stuff. So my character is makes decisions in ways that are based on almost entirely on real situations and real reactions. So even though this is a completely fictitious character, uh, pretty much none of the actions are not based in some form of reality. Now, I've talked about this before in a different article where this is horror. So sometimes the characters are not going to do the right thing and there's going to be some shadow elements. And there are, and the risk is, oh, I'm showing some shadow of a character who happens to be woman that therefore is negative towards women. That's not how I see it at all. Uh, I see this about a critique of humankind. And yeah, the book does have some elements of feminine masculine, which is more accurately defined as yin and yang. So there's also shadow and light, all that sort of stuff. I feel like this is a really, this is probably the, my most realistic character. And the character is also good hearted. I think most people are good hearted. This character has its flaws. And I'm just going to be honest. I probably made this protagonist have less flaws because it was a woman. When I have a a man character, I feel like I have more leeway. So I actually feel like maybe this character is a bit more sympathetic than my other characters. I tend to write unsympathetic characters on purpose. I like that more. I find it more of a challenge to see, you know, the anti-hero kind of thing. And Orna is definitely not an anti-hero, but I like playing in that realm. I find that a lot more interesting because there's no such thing as pure good and pure evil. I don't believe in that. And I think what's funny though, is a lot of people, they haven't delved into their own shadow. So they don't like a character who isn't kind of just mostly good. And so I don't know, did I go light on Orna? I don't know if I did. I wrote the character I, I felt was appropriate for the setting. She has a foil who is the antagonist, who is Rowan, who is basically the head of the tenders, who is the, you know, more shadow presence. And she deals with that. Also, she's dealing with her father, who has a lot of negative characteristics, but also some positive ones. So I basically bring in how we need the yin and yang, masculine, feminine. We need balance. Everyone's cool how they are as long as they're not hurting other people, that kind of thing. And I, I hope I did that successfully. Not everyone's going to like that. I have a scene of the Jewish Orthodox mother who has passed away, and she has some beliefs that a lot of people may not agree with that I might not agree with. But I tried to pr provide all sorts of different perspectives and I hope that's interesting to people. I hope people don't just want to read books that mirror their own perspective only. I sure as heck don't. Maybe people do. I'm actually starting to think that people do. But I would say that's my one concern about the book, how it is going to be received. But you know what? There's nothing I can do about it. 
I, I know what I brought to it. And so that's good enough for me. And people can say what they want about it, as long as they're not being libelous, in which case I will sue you. But if you're not being libelous, you are able to have your opinion on the book. So what else in the book do I find interesting and, and fun? Yeah, I bring these, there's a forces. I don't want to give anything away, but there's these forces that I don't, so I, I based them on, I'm going to say real things. I don't know if you believe in that. I based them on entities that exist that you may not actually be familiar with, but kind of a version of. And I did my own version of that. I created my own universe in a sense with that. I, I built off of a lot of research of how these entities have been characterized. And then I picked and I chose which elements I liked. There is a backstory that goes to the beginning of time, basically. So there's creation stories, and this is a different version of it, and whatever. I I, I did that. There are some yeah cool characters that come into into being that I think are lots of fun. The character does have a love interest, and the love interest is the antagonist. <laughs> So that's pretty clear, I think, from the start in the book. And that was the trickiest thing to write. And I think some people might be like, that's very unrealistic. But it's super, probably the most realistic thing in the book, right? How quickly things can go from a love of your life to the greatest enemy or simply just a non-entity. Oh, that person doesn't matter anymore. Whereas this was the most important person. You know, sometimes I see people walking down the street arm in arm and like in four years, you won't even be following them on Instagram. <laughs> and so there's that element that I think is really interesting. I also think about the early stages of attraction and what we tend to be drawn into and that's not always what makes the long-term relationship. And that's a critique of both women, men, gay, straight, whatever your thing is. I think that we all do that a lot. And so there are some elements of that. And yeah, some people aren't going to like that. But guess what? That is actually how the world is. We don't always make the best decisions. And at the same time, perhaps we can be forgiven for making the decisions that we do make. Anyway, I'm not going to go on and on about the book. I think it's pretty good. I think you'll probably like it. If you want to read it, that would be really awesome. I'd be really appreciative towards you. Put out a review would really help the sales of the book. I probably won't end up reading the reviews unless you tag me or message me directly, in which case I can thank you. But the reviews aren't for me. They're for other readers. And so that's not where I am going with this. I want to thank my publisher. I got to try it. John Baltisberger for getting this book out into the world. The Jewish horror element, which is central to it, which I think makes it a rare book and I think is what makes it pretty darn good, is actually why it was harder for me to sell it to 
larger publishers. No, Josh, it's because your books suck. Well, they literally told me that. <laughs> Agents told me that. Publishers told me that. So I, as soon as I stopped looking for a larger publisher, I went straight to a guy to try it. Like, this is the home for it. They are doing Jewish speculative fiction. This is an imprint of Madness Heart Press. And John Baltusberger has done more than I think anyone for the Jewish horror community. You know, I put out the Jewish book of horror. I edited that, but he had already put out a Jewish horror folktale anthology prior to me. He'd been blazing this trail for quite a while and he is putting out a lot of these titles. And I, I can think of no better home truly for Charwood than a God to try it. If it boosts the signal of a God to try it even more, then that's great. I'm hoping for this great publisher to certainly get the book out there more than I would be able to do it on my own. And it gives it some credibility that a publisher chose it, et cetera, et cetera. So really grateful to John and the folks there for getting it out there. To the folks who critiqued my book in Denver Horror Collective, you know who you are. I don't want to embarrass you. And also secretly, I know I'll forget some names if I'm not reading the names, but several people had read my book. They critiqued it. They made it what it is. I don't listen to everything people say. I do listen to a lot and it's super important process. So that is really awesome. And just to everyone who has tolerated me and supported me and yeah, to the forest for sustaining me, for renewing me, for birthing me in a sense and literally coming from the forest of the Northeast to living in forested areas my whole life and my ape ancestry <laughs> descending from the, the trees to leave the forest. And I have to say, I think it's time for me to go back. I think it was a mistake to not live in the trees anymore so i'm working on that i'll let you know how that goes there's not much of a wi-fi signal out there but i'm gonna figure something out so yeah buy my book and read it buy my book and don't read it i guess you can read my book and not buy it if you can figure that out go for it please review it just so more people can see it and that's all i got charwood you're out into the world. I have birthed the child. I will foster it for maybe another month or so. And then I'm just going to let it fend for itself like a sapling in the forest. Thanks for taking a trip with me through Josh's Worst Nightmare, where I, Josh Schlossberg, survey the dark landscape of biological horror fiction. If you don't want to miss any of the great and sometimes disturbing episodes I've got planned for you, be sure to subscribe to Josh's Worst Nightmare on a variety of podcast platforms. You can also sign up for Josh's Worst Nightmare e-newsletter, where I share a whole squirming mess of bio-horror along with my latest dark scribblings at joshsworstnightmare.com. Speaking of which, if you haven't already picked up a copy of Charwood, my eco-folk horror novel from Agata Try It, or Moline, 
my cosmic horror novella from D&T Publishing. You can do so at your local bookstore or order from them through bookshop.org or indiebound.org or go to Amazon, barnesandnoble.com or godless.com. Darkest regards, Josh Schlossberg.